Morning, church. Man, it's good to see you on this crisp November morning. I love, love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday of the year. I love the weather, ball games, family, the food of Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I probably weigh, I don't know, eight or ten pounds more this time next Sunday. But, uh, man, I love Thanksgiving. It, uh, it does my heart good to know that, for the most part, our country will stop and acknowledge and give thanks for what we have. And this morning, to kind of move us in that direction, I hope you brought your Bibles, smartphone with a Bible app on it. Would you open to Psalm 103? The 103rd Psalm. Now, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with your Bible, right in the middle of your Bible are the Psalms. So you just figure out where the middle is and open it up. That'll be the Psalms. The 103rd Psalm is where we're going, all right? When you got it, say, got it. Not there yet, say, wait. Wait. Okay, I heard some weights. Right in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 103. We're not quite sure why David wrote this psalm. There's been a lot of speculation through history that perhaps he wrote this in thanksgiving after his sin with Bathsheba had been revealed and then forgiven. Someone suggested that maybe David wrote this psalm after he had had some horrible illness and he had been healed and now he is expressing his praise and thanksgiving to God. Here's the bottom line. We don't know why David wrote this psalm and I'm glad for that because then we don't have to apply this psalm to some specific set of circumstances because this psalm is good for all of us all the time. Psalm 103. It starts with an expression of praise. The Bible says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Praise the Lord, it says. You see, God's prescription for my pain, folks, is praise. God's prescription for my pain is praise. Now listen, I would never discount your pain. I would never discount it at all. But you know, God is telling us that whenever we find ourselves in pain and we feel the least like giving Him praise, that's the moment we ought to be giving Him praise. God's prescription for my pain is praise. And he says, all my inmost being, literally all my inward parts. You see, healing starts from the inside. Back in 2000, September of 2000, I was running on the treadmill one Saturday. I've been on the treadmill about 20 minutes, and a mule kicked me in the chest. Man, I'd never felt anything like that. I got down on the floor, laid down, and 
just a minute or two, the pain passed, and I thought, man, that wasn't good. The next morning was Sunday, and I preached both services and taught my class, and I went home and rested a little bit in the afternoon in my chair, and I thought, you know, I need to find out if that was an anomaly. So I put on my stuff, went in there, got on that treadmill again, and it didn't last five minutes this time, and the same mule kicked me in the same chest. And I laid down on the floor, and I thought, my word, what in the world? I didn't tell Marcia what was going on. But the next day, I called a cardiologist. Long story short, they ended up putting me on an airplane and air vacuuming me from Midland, Texas to Dallas Love Field and took me to Zale Lipsy Hospital. They cracked me open like a, like a watermelon and did triple bypass on me on Saturday. The next morning was Sunday. And I was lying in intensive care up at Zale Lipsy Hospital. Now, I was the guy who'd been running three to five miles a day for 25 years. I've been doing 100 sit-ups every day for I don't know how many years. The nurse comes in on Sunday morning, and she says to me, Mr. White, it's time that we get you up. I said, okay. She said, if you'll sit up, we'll sit on the side of the bed. And I went, and nothing happened. I thought, that's not right. What have they done to me? I went, and nothing happened. I couldn't even lift my head off the pillow. She had to come around and put her arm around my shoulders and help me sit up so I could turn around and sit on the side of the bed. I felt like I'd been run over by a truck. But you see, just looking at me lying in that hospital bed, you would say, well, that's just Ronnie, same old Ronnie. (laughs) But you see... God is not a plastic surgeon. God is a heart surgeon. And healing starts on the inside. God doesn't do something cosmetic on us. God starts on the inside. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inward parts, everything inside me, praise his holy name. And then he says, forget not his benefits. How many people got an insurance business in here this morning? Anybody in the insurance business? Yeah, 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 we got some insurance. Listen, every insurance policy has what they call the EOB. That's the explanation of benefits. And the psalmist David is about to unfurl for us the benefits. And here's what he says. He forgives how many of your sins? Most of your sins, right? He forgives. It's okay to speak. It really is. All, he forgives all your sins. He heals most of your diseases, all your diseases. Redeems your life from the pit. Crowns you with love and compassion. Satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Listen, the NIV does a good job of translating the verbs here because they're translated, all of them, in the present tense. Listen, what he talks about in Psalm 103 is happening right here, right now. He forgives all your sins. Preacher, you just don't know what I... He forgives not most of them, all of them. 
heals all your diseases. Redeems the whole of your life from the pit. Satisfies you. Listen. God hasn't forgotten you this season. And now we get to the part, that's all just introduction, all right? Now we're going to get to the part, I want to tell you why I'm thankful. Starting at verse 8, here's why I am thankful. I'm thankful we have a God who has a long fuse. A long fuse. Notice what it says in verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, listen, slow to anger, abounding in love. Some of the older versions, sometimes when they translate that word, they use the word long-suffering, long-suffering. I don't know about you, but I am so glad God has got a long fuse. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, well, you know, he's, man, he's pretty quick-tempered. He's got a short fuse, which means every once in a while he'll blow up and spew his anger over anybody that's around him. But when the Bible talks about God, it says he's got a long fuse. He's slow to anger. Now listen, don't take his patience with you as some sort of permission to say it's okay. It's not a big deal if you sin. It is a big deal. And his patience with us is designed so that we might see his patience and be moved by it. And turn in repentance back to him. I was a senior in high school. I had three speeding tickets in one year. Three. In the summer after I graduated, I worked for my dad. My dad was a golf course superintendent. I worked for my dad for seven summers. I've cut more grass than you can put in this building. And the, and the procedure was we'd get up and we'd be, I'd be cutting grass by 6.30 a.m. and we'd work till 2.30 and then I'd come home and clean up and change clothes and go back to the golf course and play and practice till dark and then go get Marcia and then we'd go out somewhere and, and then we'd start the process all over. Well, one afternoon I rode home with Dad. It's 2.30 after work. We came home. I come up on the porch where the, where the uh, uh, mailbox is and... I reach in to grab the mail, and he's already grabbed it. And so he pulls it out, and there's a letter to me from the Department of Public Safety. And he said, what is this? And he hands it to me, and I said, I, I don't know. It's probably one of those recruiting letters, you know, like I've been getting as a senior. You know, they probably want me to go to work for them or something. I don't know. I went to my room, opened up the letter. The letter said, because you've had three moving violations in the past year, we're not going to renew your driver's license until you come back and retake the driving test. Oh, brother. Man, I tear that thing up and throw it in a trash can, change clothes, go to the golf course, come back that evening. And when I walked in, there pieced together very carefully <laughs> was that letter. I thought, oh, baby. This is not going to be good. And I waited for him to ground me for the rest of my life and to yell at me and to tell me how badly I disappointed him. And the fact of the matter is, he said, 
nothing to me about it. Nothing. My mom said the next morning at breakfast, she said, you know, you really hurt your dad when you lied to him. I said, yeah, I kind of think I did. His patience with me made me want to never betray him again. Now, if we can understand that at a human level, how much more should we understand it on a spiritual level? That God's patience with us, he has a long fuse, but it's not to show a slackness regarding sin, but his patience is so that I might see it and grasp it, and I might in, in gratitude turn back to him and say in my heart, I never want to betray you again. Slow to anger. I'm thankful this holiday season for a God with a long fuse. Here's the second thing I'm thankful for, verse 9. I'm thankful for a God who has a short memory. Long fuse, short memory. Look what it says, verse 9. He will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. Maybe you heard the story about the guy who was talking with his buddy, and he says, you know what, every time my wife and I get into it, she gets historical on me. He said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, I mean historical. She dredges up everything I've ever done every time we get into it. She reminds me every time I've blown it. Now, listen. You may be married to someone like that. You may have a parent like that or a coach like that or a teacher like that, but you do not have a God like that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love keeps no record of wrongs. God promises, I will remember your sins, what, every day? No more. I will remember your sin no more. I used to think that God was just holding this record, this account of every time that I've blown it. And and, and one of these days at the judgment, this big bony finger is going to start poking me in the chest and remind me of everything that I've done and all the times that I've betrayed him and sinned against him. But God chooses not to remember it because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And while sometimes we hold on to our anger and we feed it and we chew on it like a bad piece of meat, God doesn't choose to be angry with us. Long fuse, short memory. Here's a third thing I'm thankful for this morning. I'm thankful for a God who has a thick skin. A thick skin. Look what it says Verse 10. Verse 10. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Do do you want to be treated like your sins deserve? Yes or no? (laughs) Man, I don't. I'm out on that. 
I, I don't want to be treated as my sins deserve. I don't want to be repaid according to my iniquity because they are many, indescribably heinous and, and sickening. I don't want to be repaid according to my sin or, or repaid according to my iniquity. And if God were some thin-skinned being that got upset with us every time we betrayed him, every time we disappointed him, I want to tell you something. This would be an empty building this morning. This would be an empty planet we live on. Amen? But God chooses not to treat us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquity. I'm dating myself, I know, but many of you will remember the pot-bellied pig craze of the 1980s. Remember that? Some, somebody came up with this incredibly stupid idea to import these little things called pot-bellied pigs from Vietnam. Now, here was what they said. This is a unique pet, they said. Yeah, I would think. They're smart, and they grow to be about 40 pounds. Now, one half of that was true. They were smart. You could train them to walk on a leash. You could train them to, to, to use a cat box. You could train them to come and sit up with you in your lap and, and, and be, you know, roll over and let you rub their tummies. I mean, that part was true. The problem was that as they began to grow, they skyrocketed past 40 pounds to 150 pounds. Some 175 if you fed them good. And they became aggressive. Well, what are you going to do with a pot-bellied 150-pound hog in your house? What are you, you going to do with that? Well, people started trying to figure a way to get rid of them. What do you do? Well, somebody says, bacon. No, because the meat isn't any good. You wouldn't eat it. So a guy up in West Virginia named Dale Riffle, who for some reason loved pot-bellied pigs, started taking in the pigs that people wanted to get rid of. U.S. News and World Report reported that he had collected, as people got rid of their pot-bellied pigs, he had collected more than 180 pot-bellied pigs. They lounged around on, on uh, wood shavings. They, they had kitty swimming pools that they would lie in. They could wallow in the mud, and they listened to classical music. He had piped into their area. When they talked to Dale Riffle about it, they said, why in the world would you do this for 180 pot-bellied pigs? He said, I don't know. I think it must be my calling. I just love pot-bellied pigs. I guess to each his own. But you know what God did when we betrayed him and committed sin against him? He took us in, and he forgave us, and he didn't treat us according to our iniquities. He didn't repay us according to our iniquities. And as Dale Riffle loved pot-bellied pigs and took them in and made them his own, 
How much more has God done that for us? God has thick skin. And this holiday season, as I think about the times that I have disappointed God, I am so grateful for a God with thick skin who doesn't treat me according to my sins or repay me according to my iniquities. Church said? All right, we're almost done. Here's the fourth reason I'm thankful this morning. I'm thankful for a God with a big heart. Beginning at verse 11, in expression after expression after expression, it talks about God's heart for us. Listen to what it says. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. Listen, we know so much more about our universe than David did. We have so much more knowledge about the size of it than David did. But not the one who inspired David to write those songs. Our God, we, we live in a little planet Earth in a solar system that's a part of a galaxy called the Milky Way. Now, our little galaxy is in one part of the universe, a little corner of the universe. Our little galaxy is, according to measurements, about 100,000 light years across. Most of the time, that just kind of goes, 100,000 light years. How far is that? Well, light travels at the rate of 186,000 miles a second. Every time I snap my fingers, light has traveled another 186,000 miles. And if you could saddle a light beam and ride it at the rate of 186,000 miles an hour, it would take you 100,000 years just to cross our little galaxy. And there are countless billions of galaxies out there. And when David starts talking about the heart of God, he says, as high as the, as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us. Do you think that's a pretty big love? He says next, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. It's interesting that in David's day, he didn't know the earth was round. It's interesting that he didn't say as far as the north is from the south. Because in, on our earth, if you travel north far enough, you'll eventually go which direction? Hello? South. You'll go right over the top of the North Pole and you're going south. But he says, as far as the east is from the west. If you start traveling west, you will always travel west. If you start traveling east, you will always travel east. And David says, when it comes to our iniquities, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far our God has removed our iniquities from us. He says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. 
I didn't grow up going to church much. On Sunday night, there was a show on television that our family usually saw. <laughs> I hate to admit this in a crowd like this. I really do. It was called Hee Haw. <laughs> you remember Hee Haw? <laughs> they had a guy on there that was a retired Baptist preacher. His name was Grady Nutt, and Grady Nutt was a great storyteller. Now, the first time I heard this story came from Grady Nutt. I don't know where he picked it up. I've heard it since, but the first time I ever heard it was Grady Nutt. He talks about the fact that there was this family who wanted to have the preacher and his wife over for lunch after church on Sunday. The family practiced with their little kids all week long which fork to pick up and how to put your napkin in your lap and when you were done, how to fold your napkin and put it on the... I mean, they worked on their manners all week long because the preacher and his wife were coming. Well, boy, Sunday came and the table was set and the preacher and his wife arrived after church and they all sat down and the little seven-year-old girl was so nervous, she reached up to grab her water and when she did, she bumped it and the water turned over right in the middle of the table and, and, and the tablecloth just starts getting soaked. And, and the look on her face was just frightful. She, it just scared her to death. Her dad, sitting down at the table from her, saw that look of fear in her and immediately reached up and pushed his glass over. And then the preacher reached up and pushed his glass over. And then the mom and then the preacher's wife. And before long, everybody at the table was laughing. And here's this little seven-year-old girl with tears running down her face. Thankful for a dad who had compassion on her in her greatest moment of embarrassment as a seven-year-old. Listen, church. The Bible says that as a father has compassion on his children, that's the kind of God we have. One who has compassion on us. When you hurt this holiday season, when you go through times of pain in your family, when you go through times of difficulty in your job, in your career, when you go through relational struggles, when financial trouble is all over you, listen, the Bible says God is like a father who has compassion on us. He enters that pain with us. He knows how we were formed. He remembers that we are dust. Every time I read that, I think about that little boy who's in Sunday school class, and they were teaching about the, the creation and, and talk about how God formed man out of the dust of the earth, and after man dies to dust, he returns. And the little guy turns to one of his buddies, and he says, you know, he says, I don't know whether they're coming or going, but I think I've got somebody living under my bed at home. Dust to dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. But, listen, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. God, we sang it, we sang it, we sang it. God is never going to give up on you. God's love is never going to quit on you. God's heart is so amazingly huge 
that he is never going to stop loving you. Never. Church, this Thanksgiving, when we, stay, when we gather around a table somewhere, whether it's in our home or somebody else's home, or whether it's, you know, we go to, to Furs or wherever, when you stop and give thanks for what God has given you, give thanks for a Father who has compassion on us, like a father having compassion on their children. I want to challenge you this holiday season. Don't forget about God. This God who has a long fuse and a short memory, thick skin and a huge heart, this God loves you. And for that, we give thanks. Church said, let's pray. God, our Father, how can we thank you enough for all you've done for us in Jesus? God, thank you for your patience with us in our sin. Thank you for the fact that you have chosen not to remind us of our sin over and over and over again, but you have chosen to remember it no more. God, thank you that you don't repay us as we deserve. But by your grace, you have reached down like a father with compassion on his children. You have shown us compassion. God, may we be a people who do as you do. In our relationships this holiday season, will you help us to be a people with a long fuse and a short memory? Would you help us to be a people who have thick skin and a big heart, who demonstrate love to others because you have first loved us. God, I pray it in the name of the one who gave his all for us, even Jesus. Amen.